Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the ball. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azov and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Back Check. This is Season 3, Episode 2. We are entering the second week of the NHL season. We're going to give you some reactions from the starts of the New York Rangers and New York Islanders. Joining me, as always, is Stefan Rosner. Stefan, how you doing today, buddy? You ever call an athlete by the wrong name to their face? Me, personally, just my teammates. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell a funny story to keep this thing off. First off, Zach Parise, heck of a guy. And for someone who gets their name pronounced wrong or gets the wrong name all the time, I just I did myself a disservice this morning. I waited to ask him a question. I called him Matt. He sits right next to Barzal's Barzal's locker. Honest mistake. He's okay with it, but I mean, again, if it was the other way around, maybe if I called Matt Zach, I might have had a bigger issue. But luckily, Zach forgave me, and next I will never get it wrong ever again. So um, yeah, that's how I started my uh, my Tuesday morning. It felt like a Monday morning in that in that yeah. sense. You would think that you would be a stickler for names. I know. I know. I went on a rant in the car about it. I thought, oh, yeah, our first interaction. <laughs> uh, hey, are you Stefan? Or did you call me Steven? I can't remember. Well, I called you Stefan because, uh, or no, actually, I might have called you Steven. I think you I called just, me Steven. Well, it's E N, so Steven, Stefan. No, it's E F E N. It's Stefan. It's, 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 I should just go by you. Paul. Honestly, you spelled your own name wrong. Or no, no, no. It is my parents' fault. I had no say in the matter. But we should probably talk some hockey. We Obviously, the Rangers that. Rangers look pretty strong out of the gate. The Islanders, after a solid start to their season opener against the Florida Panthers team, they I mean, listen, the Islanders are not going to be this offensive juggernaut of the team. They're going to still have to win those close games. But under Lane Lambert, I think the biggest thing you've seen is they've been really aggressive. And that's not just in the offensive zone, defensive zone, the defensemen are lining up uh, right at their blue line, trying to stop anyone from infiltrating. And if they do get in, they're keeping them to the outside. They're getting up on the transition, the defensemen, and it's just changed everything about this Islanders offense. In game one of the season, the Islanders um, heavily outshot Florida. Florida did win the game by a score of three to one. But what you saw from the Islanders that their defense are getting, you know, are active in the rush. And you saw in game two against the NM Ducks, an absolute spanking of the Ducks. Seven to one, and you know something about spanking the Ducks because the Rangers just did that as well. Um, brutal, man. So the Islanders on that night they won seven to one, and they scored five goals from their defense. Got Mayfield had two, Robin Salo had two, Noah Dobson scored in back-to-back games. 
And it's just a, a game changer because, again, the biggest thing this offseason for the Islanders was they have they didn't add to their offensive group. And how is their offensive production, which was 22nd in the league last year, 2.73 goals per game? How are they going to change that? Well, you're going to get defense if you're going to get your defenseman scoring game by game, which again is very hard to keep up with. You need your forward that you're paying to produce, but at the same time, not that it alleviates pressure from the uh, forward groups. Like I talked to Matt, uh, I talked to Anthony Bavillier about this. I talked to Zach Friesen. They don't feel like it's they're off the hook. They still they know they have chances they have to bury, but it does help from an overall standpoint when your defense, you know, helps with the offense. We see the top teams, Colorado, Tampa, their defensemen, Hedman, Sergachev, Makar, Taves. I mean, they're in on the offense and they score goals. And teams that want to make it far in the Stanley Cup playoffs but also have a strong regular season, you need balanced scoring. And if your defense could do that, and the biggest thing for the Islanders going forward is as long as the defense is active in the rush, but gets back and plays their shutdown defense, that's what you got to see. And that's what we've seen so far. And Brendan, on Wednesday, in the Islanders' 5-2 win over the San Jose Sharks, they registered 46 shots on goal. And the defense, although they played a part in the offense, didn't crack the score sheet in terms of goals. They had goals from Anders Lee, Zach Parise, two from Oliver Wallstrom, two snipes, and an empty net goal from Cal Clutterbuck. So you're getting balanced scoring, and that's so critical. And again, wasn't the strongest of starts for the Islanders, but they found their game in the second and they dominated from there on out. A couple of turnovers in their own zone impacted their ability to break away sooner. But you got that defense to lock it down in the third. Semyon Varlama plays well in his season debut, something that, you know, it took him eight games last year to get his first win of the season. He gets win number one, game number one for him. So through three games, this Islanders offense come alive. Their shots on goal, they've cracked 30 each game. This was the first time they cracked 40. And again, now they go and play a New Jersey double team. That's that's off their first win of the season, I believe. But they were trailing by the Ducks. So that's a team you have to jump on early and play your game for a full 60. The Islanders' defense is still their lockdown, their bread and butter, and that's how they're going to have to win games. And they'll jump in on the rush when they can. And against bad teams like the Ducks and the Sharks, you know, you have the opportunity to do that more than maybe against the Florida Panthers team. That Again, you can still have an aggressive D, but they're a fast, dominant, juggernaut of an offensive club. And we saw an opener that – Islanders came out of the gate flying and very aggressive, but once Florida found their game in the second, Islanders were back on their heels, something that really happened a lot last year where it doesn't matter how much more focus you have to the aggressive side of the puck when you don't have the puck in your stick. That means you're blocking more shots, more um, defensive zone time. Your your top players aren't getting up the ice. They're dumping and changing because they have to. So the Islanders just have to find a way to balance that aggressive system going from a completely defensive laid back, not laid back, but more of, you know, forwards were coming out of the offensive zone quick, much quicker last year and trying to get back on defense rather than hugging the blue line. We saw in, in the first three games that the Islanders are having their forwards stay tight against the boards and the uh, opponent's blue line. You're keeping pucks in, and that's generating chances. And, yes, maybe the offensive players, the forwards haven't scored as much, but with the amount of shots coming from the back end, those goals are going to come whether it be on rebound chances or breakdowns in front. So, I mean, it's I think it's a strong start to the Islanders' season. They're going to grow into the system. It's going to take some time again. Like we said under Trot, it was defense first all the way. And it's still defense first. But now that mindset, instead of, you know, coming there's back on defense quicker, meeting. there's more of a happy medium. I think that helps out with a lot of these Islander players, like a Barzal. We're seeing Barzal now. Rather than peel off in the boards and start, a, you know, a um, rotation in, in the offensive zone, he's cutting to the slot more and getting that shot off, a high danger shot. And that's critical because they need Matt Barzal, especially coming off, you know, he got an eight-year extension. 
$9.15 million annually, 72.3. I think that's how the math, the math played out there. You didn't have to be more than a, a 15 goal scorer. And I, yes, he needs to produce point wise, assist wise, but at the same time, he can create as many kings as he wants. People aren't bearing him. That's why that the assist stat is such a, I mean, stats in general are not misleading, but Barzal might not have that many assists. But the only way Barzal gets assists is if people, people bury, bury his chances. <laughs> so I think you want to see the uptick. There's no reason he shouldn't have more than. 25 goals, I think 75 points would be a good mark for him to reach this year. I don't know about an 82 game, you know, point per game player because, again, the Islanders, as we just said, they're aggressive, but they're not going to be an offensive target. And usually, when you have players that are getting 82 points in a season or more, like for a perfect example, the Oilers, they don't play a lick of defense and they have guys that score 100 plus points a year because, again, they're all, they have to outscore their opponents to win. So I think for the Islanders, they're in a good spot. How many times on the show have we discussed Matt Barzal having to shoot the puck more? And I was at the preseason game when they played the Rangers, and he finally yeah. – like, his shot is so good. And I don't understand yeah. – I know he's a pass-first guy, but you mentioned the assists, right? He he played the infamous Leo Komarov in the postseason <laughs> where he was on his wing, right? And yeah. he, he's had these guys where they haven't necessarily buried the opportunities that he's created for them. And if I'm Matt Barzal, I would be like, all right, if they're not going to bury it, let me shoot the puck because – Artemi Panarin last night when he walked in against John Gibson just ripped the puck. We know he's a playmaker first, but he's got that shot. Same thing with Barzal. He's got to rip the puck. Like oh. If he starts shooting the puck and they have to respect his shot, it just opens up the lanes for him more and more, and the Islanders become that much more you know, dangerous on offense. And he's playing with – I talked to Zach Prize about this the other day. He's playing with Zach and Kyle Palmieri, two guys that crash in that hard. Now, even if Barzal's shot doesn't go in – He's got a hard shot. We saw it, and it's accurate. And if he's going to try to go sniping the corners or even seven hole underneath the arms, the goalie has to adjust to that real quick, which likely means there's going to be a rebound that Parise and Palmieri will put in. That's how Parise is going to score a majority of goals or, or finishing off chances Barzal creates. And you said it's not even about the shot goals. Barzal was third on the team in shots last year. It's where he's shooting the puck. You know, in, in the past, in the high-danger situations, he's passing it off. This year, you're already seeing, you saw it in the preseason, He's shooting in those high danger chances. I mean, even last game, he got on a – he cut to the slot where he had a chance to pass it off on like a two-on-one little breakout down in front for Anaheim, and he took it himself. Now, maybe he should have passed it in that situation, but the fact that he shot it anyway just shows that he, he's confident. And you need a confident Matt Brazil, especially for an Islanders team that needs offense from their top guys. You know, Brock Nelson, you can't rely on Brock Nelson and just get to score, score 30-plus goals again and pretty much be your – again, that's one line. You need yeah. you need to set four minutes, and even the fourth line, Clutterbuck came back and played on Saturday night, so did Wallstrom. But that fourth line started the game, which is what they used to do. They controlled the tempo, they set the stage, they played well. Martin didn't get a goal, but he made a real strong play and and got, you know tied up a defenseman, which led to a goal. So there's things that the fourth line's doing, there's things that the first and second line are doing. Even the third line, Oliver Wallstrom got on a breakaway Saturday night after Pajot made his heads up defensive play, then sprung him for. A breakaway pulls off a little Franz Nielsen backhand toe drag move on Jock Gibson. We could talk about Gibson for a second because yeah. not that it's his fault, but I mean. Well, before I mean, you go to Gibson, because yeah. I do want to talk about him, but my Rangers fan side of me and the pessimistic side of me was thinking it took two games. They put up a seven spot. Did they have a yeah. seven spot last year? I don't believe they scored seven last year. They had games, I think it was three games at six from our goals. I mm-hmm. Maybe one or twice could have been an empty net situation where it was seven yeah. four, um, but not. I've never seen the again. Anaheim Ducks are not a good team. Let's just point out there they're supposed to take strides. They look an absolute mess 
under Dallas Aikens. And even Saturday, they said they had some soul searching to do. And I guess after the game against the Rangers, they have to search even more because their defensive game, the Islanders, again, are not a juggernaut offense. And every time the Islanders transitioned, they had numbers. I don't know why. I don't know what was happening with Anaheim. Again, this is a team that you thought, okay, they got Klimberg. You know, another year for for Zegris. Um, you got you got veterans on that team, so you thought that maybe they'll you know have stepping stones heading in the right direction. But right now, they look like a team that belongs in the AHL. And I mean, yeah, the Islanders' offense. No, I think the Islanders. I think the Islanders played well because they focused on their game. I, I think it helped that the Ducks were bad, but I think. If the Islanders played that way against Florida the whole entire game after the way they played in the first, they probably beat Florida. They just didn't play that way for a full 60. They did that against Anaheim. And um, so it, it was interesting to see because right away you saw the aggressiveness. But for John Gibson, I un, he's so good. And you understand that he's being held up to dry. But there are some saves he's got to make that he is not making. I mean, there was a Scott Mayfield with bar, uh, top glove on him from the point. Now, that's a really good shot. There was no traffic in front. And John Gibson reached for his glove on the camera there, reached for his glove like that, which goes to show me to me again, I'm a goalie, and people probably picked up on this too. That he's way off his angle. If he has to reach that far to make a glove save, he's not lined up with the shot. And it's not a screenshot at all. And yeah. John Gibson wasn't good last year, which is funny because – not funny, I feel bad for him, but the Ducks were much better last year than they've ever been, and they showed signs, and Gibson had a down year. And then you wonder, okay, he's an athletic freak. Why is he struggling? Again – could the defense not be communicating? I don't know. But all I know is the Carolina Stolars to be their number one because John Gibson is too damn good. And they had the opportunity to trade John Gibson and they held on to him, which goes to show the confidence I, they have in him. But he I was even bad. 70, 70% chance he winds up in Toronto by the deadline. Well, Toronto, hey, Stefan won a bet yesterday because, you know, we had talked about him before. Mm-hmm. And um, we said yesterday we're recording this on Tuesday. It's going out on Wednesday. Um, they played – Detroit played uh, Toronto, who was dealing with a goaltender situation. Arizona played Toronto. Detroit's oh, the reason we lost the bet. Who did Detroit play? Detroit played the Kings. Oh, yeah. Screw Detroit. I meant I, – I bet on Arizona to win by two. They played the Maple Leafs. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Shalgren, but his name is spelled Calgren. I'm pretty sure it's an essay's pronunciation. Don't quote me on that. As you know, I'm horrendous with names. What are, what are the? Well, I call Pavel Francouz. I just call my man Pavel because I don't know if that's yeah. his. But it's Francouz. <laughs> I'll not get it wrong. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he shall not be named. First off, Jonas Johansson, horrendous, right? Horrendous goaltender. But besides that, yeah, I won that bet yesterday. Shout out to Matt Levitt for saying that. You know, let's take, you know, the Coyotes, and I think I took it by two just because I think you, you know what. Did you see the stat on Twitter that I, I think it was Patrick Brown who used to work with me at the Hockey Writers. He's now with the Coyotes. He tweeted out that the Coyotes in the last 11 games, 9-0-2 against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews cannot be his hometown team. It's the Austin Matthews curse. What was the, I guarantee the record against the Arizona, I know it's a sample side, but I guess let's go point percentage, was better before Matthews joined the Leafs. I mean, it can't be worse than nine. Like, they haven't won a game in their last 11 against the Coyotes. Uh, they haven't won a game in regulation in their last 11 against the Coyotes. That is why the NHL is the greatest league because there's so much competition where the worst teams can beat the best teams on any given night. And Arizona is not good. They're not good at all. No, so, in no way, shape, or form are they a good team. Well, what was it last year? I, I said before the season that I think they'd win 11 games. And they ended up winning, I think, close to 20. But um, hey, but they're in ASU, so they should have packed houses, right? 
I mean, I do want to watch that first home game or if it happened already, their next one, because I know the Rangers happen to be there on Halloween weekend, which is an absurd environment there. But uh, maybe Arizona will dress up as an NHL team. Possibly. I mean, (laughs) the I I was watching the game because obviously we had some some interest in it. And just looking at that bench, you really don't recognize anybody besides Chikrin, Keller and I mean, like you have Shane Goss's beer, but the rest of that. Yeah, team, because it took out everyone that's injury broken people and prospects. And yeah, this will pay off for Arizona if they find a way to turn it around. The problem is I don't see any signs of them turning it around. Like there's no I mean, like it's it's a minimum five years before they're they're relevant. And are they gonna even have a house to play in? I know they're trying to get an arena build. I'm not sure what in happened. I know they have like some tax issues. I don't know. Get them out of Arizona. Put them in uh, Quebec. I don't, figure it out. Do something different. I, I mean, a lot of people would be happy if that happened. You would think that because the state had to buy them because nobody wanted them, that that would be a sign that maybe this is not the best place to have a market. But I think Austin Matthews would go there eventually and resurrect the Arizona Coyotes. Even though, it for some reason, I think, I think on Hockey DB they have him that he was grew up in California, but I'm pretty sure he was born and so, raised in Arizona. I think it was – 32 thoughts where they said that right now the consensus is that instead of going to Arizona, he'll go to LA. Bigger Listen, involved. I don't hate that. LA's, LA's going to be good. This, they're going to be good this year. Uh, Jonathan they Quick is They do have to share up their defensive end too, though. I know, but John, I mean, I, I, only, I watched their first game of the year, and Jonathan Quick has been the guy that I've, I've worked 32 because of him, and just he's resurrected his career. He, you know, a couple of years ago, everyone thought, Put me with the yard here. Late night for Stefan. Um, just kidding. I think I went to sleep earlier. But um, Jonathan Quick a couple of years ago, you thought it was done. Remember, you had who came in and, and started. It was a, a guy that held his glove in his right hand. He uh, came up and just dominated his first handful again. I'm trying to think. Um, God, I know who you're talking about, too, and I can't think of the name either. Peterson. Cal Peterson. Yep. Came up and... Uh, just dominated, and then you wondered, okay, like, Cal Peterson, that's, he's going to be the guy for L.A., and then it's, just... It's more amazing how flexible he still is. Well, the, that's his issue. You, you think that, of like, a long quiz, so guys that relied upon, like, not quick relies upon his, re, re, you know, reflexes, but so did Henrik, but Henrik was all about timing and sitting back in his crease. Like, quick's knees are going to be shot. But how are they when, not already? That's the thing. You that's, thought that's they what were. I'm saying. That's more impressive than how he's playing because the, he's, he never changed his style. Like we watched the last year of Lundqvist, right? And Lundqvist still was, I mean, in, at his worst, was the an average NHL goaltender. Oh, yeah. Even him, you could see because of how far back he sat in his crease and his style, more pucks were getting past him. Quick hasn't changed his game at all. And, I mean, their their numbers aren't spectacular, but he's still making saves that you go, how is he doing that, especially at his age? And uh, – I mean, I personally never will like Quick because of the Stanley Cup final in 2014, but he's a great Well, he knows, how to, he knows how to control his rebound. Someone else did mm-hmm. it. Kidding. Obviously, kidding. Yeah, Henry Blomquist was a god yeah. among gods. Yeah, yeah. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 
plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. He wasn't the king. Um, all right, let's move on to, uh, well, we talked about the Islanders already and that the defense. The biggest takeaway from the Islanders right now and um, is there the offense from the defense. Now, again, is that sustainable? I don't know. That's probably the biggest question mark because if the Islanders do not show that their forwards can score again, guys like Palmieri, Parise, Bavillier, I mean, that was your issue going in. If the Islanders are somewhat relevant at the deadline, whether they're in a playoff spot, fighting for a playoff spot, and they don't go out and get a legitimate score. Now, again, if they pop off and Oliver Wallstrom shows that he could be that. Because, again, everything is – I don't want to put pressure on Oliver Wallstrom. He's just a nice kid, you know, talking to him, really nice kid. I hate to do this. But he is the key to everything for the Islanders because if he turns into that legitimate sniper that they've been waiting for, he's getting paid league minimum right now. He's still on his entry-level contract. He is the sniper. You don't have to go out there and get one because you have one. And if he could show this year again, he won't play with Barzal unless they change up the lines. They need to. But if he shows, hey, he has an understanding in this system that when he gets the puck, he can shoot it, he can snipe, and he becomes a legitimate NHL sniper in the year. I think this is year four for him, actually, or year three as a full-time NHLer, then you're golden. But if he doesn't, and the Islanders' offense doesn't continue to be, you know, this team that could score in those big moments, you have no choice but to go out there in the deadline and get one. And you have to, you know, you have to hand over assets. Now, the only untouchable Islander asset I could see right now is Atsirati because that guy is going to be an NHL one day. What is his ceiling? I'm not sure if it's higher than a number two center, but you know, I can, I'm getting roasted. I was on the NY, um, Hockey Night New York podcast. I said this on the other podcast I was on a couple of weeks ago. Is He reminded me of Patrice Bergeron. Now, I got shelled because, oh, Patrice Bergeron's a Hall of Famer. It's not what I meant, obviously, at the level. He's got to prove himself, but I guess you could just say that he's like every two-way strong two-way defenseman. He wins faceoffs. He's positionally sound. He can play in the power play. He can play on the penalty kill. He's always in the right spot. He's got a hard shot, great vision. That's why I compared him because when you look at Patrice Bergeron, he does everything well. And that's something Rossi has done already, and he's not even played. Coming into this year, he had only played eight AHL games. Six came in the Calder Cup playoffs, and he played overseas for in Finland, played for the Finnish national team, played on their top line, and he hasn't had an AHL game yet. Probably going to happen this year, whether probably because of injury, because they're so sure on their they have four centermen that are not leaving the lineup unless someone gets hurt. But he'd be the only untouchable I have uh, as a prospect level. So if the owners have to part ways, I mean they parted ways with their first round picks last four years. To me, draft picks are overrated, and if you're a really good team, your first round picks a late first round pick anyway, because it's essentially a second round pick. So if you could go out there and get a shirt sniper, a guy that's proven then a prospect is merely a prospect. You have no doubt he'll turn out. And he's a couple years away, and the Islanders don't really have luxury of time on their side. Everyone says they're a really old team. You look at their at their core, Barzal's young. But, I mean, young in the fact that they're under 30. Barzal, Bavillier, Wallstrom, Bellows, um, Dobson, Romanov, 22-year-olds. I mean, Pelic, Pulak aren't 30 yet. So to have the a throw that the field, Islanders are facing is that the rest of the Metro is – the Metro and the East is, the rest, is a beast too. The rest of the Metro is speed and skill and you're relying on a defensive system regardless of how aggressive you are. And that, that again, that's a plus if you have the right pieces in place because we saw last year 
as much as Char impacted this team in a positive way with Dobson, as much as Andy, Andy Green did that with Dobson a year ago, those two guys should not have been in the lineup every single night last year for the Islanders, and their defensive system suffered because those two guys, unfortunately, given where they were at their career, could not play the defensive system the way they needed to play, and it affected everything. Now you have the pieces in place in Dobson, Eddie Romanos, critical. Robin Tal on the back, and now every defensive pairing you have is a transitioning pair that has a forward, excuse me, that has an offensive-based defenseman and a defensive-based defenseman. And that changes everything with the defensive system. So, yeah, for the Islanders, it's going to be about finding that, that consistent goal scoring from your forward group, but also getting it from the defense because that's key. But let's move on to the Rangers. They spanked the Ducks. Um, I'm pretty sure Gibson got pulled again, correct? So Gibson got pulled, but Gibson looked great. Uh, I will say that as yeah. bad as he might have looked in that Islanders game, the only reason that game was not 8-1-8-2 after the second period is because of Gibson. Uh, he stopped Panarin on a breakaway. He robbed Trocek on a power play chance. Like he, he really had a couple of just phenomenal saves. And I mean, you, you talk about the Rangers right now, and the one thing that was the question mark I think that we all had was will the young kids be able to make that step and make up for the departures? And yeah. Right now, Kako's got two goals in his first four games. It looks completely different when you take away the stats. You know, it's only two goals, two points, but – he still is. He looks poised with the puck. He looks like he's at home on that first line, which is huge. Lafreniere took Kratzel's spot after he got injured in the first three minutes of the season, and he's looked great on that line too. He's got a goal and two assists, of three points in four games. Panarin and Zibanejad are sitting one, two in the league in points. Panarin's got ten. Zibanejad's got eight. So their big guns are still big guns, and they look even better than they did last year. And the kids are taking that step, which is what they need. So. Their, their only loss was in Winnipeg on Winnipeg's home opener. It was the third and four. And the only reason they really lost that game is because Hellebuck played out of his mind. So Yeah, I watched they, that game. They beat, uh, like, they really do look good. They beat the Lightning opening night, probably their most complete 60 minutes I've seen in the last two years. They thumped the Wild uh, on the Wild's home opener. The Wild are in trouble. The Wild are in defense right now. And Marc-Andre Fleury is statistically right now through the first whatever couple of games is the worst goalie in hockey, and that is horrendous. Because remember what they did this past offseason? They had to make a decision. And the yep. decision was, do we value – first of all, Cam Talbot was not happy that when Fleury came in, Fleury was the starter. Now, Fleury had a solid year with Chicago. Again, not his fault. He looked good, but they let Cam Talbot go. And Cam Talbot got hurt. Obviously, he's on uh, Ottawa, correct? Yes. Yeah, so he got hurt. And, um, I mean, listen, again, I'm not trying to compare Talbot to Fleury, but this wild team is supposed to be a, an elite team in this league. And they don't even – look at their lineup. They're not one of those lineups where you go, oh, wow, they're elite. You know, is Matt Zugrilla still Matt Zugrilla at this point in his career? No. They have Kaprizov, which obviously helps. But guys like Jordan Greenway, uh, Duhame, um, Erickson Eck. This is not a team that you look at them and go, wow, they're freaking good. But they just play – they reminded me, quite frankly, of Vegas in their first year. They were a bunch of second, third-line players that just worked. And, yeah, you have to have those stars. You have strong defense and strong goaltending. Matt, Matt Dumba, Jared Spurgeon, which, by the way, Jared Spurgeon was at an Islanders development camp one year, and they didn't even sign him. Like, this guy, Jared Spurgeon, worked his way there to be an elite guy, captain. So, you know, he's doing all the right things. But, um, yeah, while they're in trouble, because they're supposed to be one of those top, top teams, Again, maybe losing Kevin Fiala was more than people thought. Losing a piece like that. I think that banking on a goalie that's at the latter stage of his career was probably yeah. a mistake. Yeah, I mean, they they went with the brand name, and right now it doesn't look like it's paying off. And 
you know, I didn't think that the Rangers looked great for the entirety of that game. I, once it, yeah. once they started scoring, which has been their problem, I would say the one thing that they have to improve is it's been so easy for them to score that yeah. they get very, very happy up front where everything is, okay, let's rush the puck up, let's rush the puck up. And it's opened up their defensive zone a little bit, and they're susceptible to a couple of goals. But the problem is, or I guess the the issue is that the goals are coming so late in games for the opposition where last night they gave up four to Anaheim, but they already had six, so it didn't matter. So yeah. it's not really affecting them record-wise, but it's something that you know when you get towards the postseason, which is where they aspire to be and they want to make that cup run, is that you're going to need to sure that up, which they will. It's only four games into the season. But, I mean, right now, I think power play-wise, they're 33.3% this year, which I know isn't the top because it's early and the numbers are skewed. But we know that that power play percentage is probably going to stay up, like near that 25% range, which is yeah. they have one of the elite power plays in the league. We know that 5v5 already has looked significantly better, especially with Trocek actually taking over that role. And I think the most surprising stat for me was 53.2% is their face-off percentage right now. I can't remember the last time that they were over 48, let alone. Yeah, they're, they're not a good um, face-off team. As well. Well, Brennan, you talk about that power play penalty kill. Guess what the Islanders' penalty kill is right now? 100%. Nine for nine, and they've allowed nine shots. That is. I mean, defensively, they yeah. look good over the first two games. Uh, so I wrote an article um, yesterday on our whatever today is based on the, the, the show, but it was that the Islanders aren't sacrificing defense for their aggressive style. Still defense first. And I crunched some numbers because, you know, I'm a statistician that I am. I've used, I got to count on my fingers, but uh, I just wanted to pull up a stat. So where is it? It's about shot block. Okay, so the Islanders have blocked 45 total shots on the season. Um, 22 per 60, obviously 22 and a half. Um, Romanov has 14 of the 45 blocks. Like, again, not that it matters percentage-wise, but that is 31% of the team's blocks is Alexander Romanov. Uh, this guy blocks everything. He doesn't care. And that's something like, I don't think the Islanders needed to improve upon. I think their defense was fine. But his defensive element, what, I mean, I talked to Zach Brise about it. I said, you know, how, how how much of that boost is that? And he and he goes, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that even in practice, not only he's blocking shots, the guy hits like a maniac. He's hitting his own teammates to the point where people are like, all right, you gotta, you can't doing that. Like, he's lining up Brock Nelson in a scrimmage. He doesn't care, but, I mean, it's not on his defense, like I said, they're bread and butter, but yeah, they're penalty kill 9 for 9 with only 9 shots allowed, and in one game, 5 on 3, they allowed 2 shots. So, like, it's just, the Islanders defense is just, it's going to be key. That's their bread and butter no matter what they do, and I think for the Rangers, too, it's, you know, you have to start him back there, but you still got to play respectful defense, because you're just looking at Job Gibson right now, how good, I'm getting Sterkin's better than Gibson statistically. I mean, talent-wise, these goals are all ridiculous. But if you don't have defensive funding, the amount of high-danger chances, and that is actually something I wanted to bring up. I was looking at the high-danger numbers on our nationalstatic.com, and I want to pull up Sterkin's, and I think this might be interesting for you to look at. At 5-on-5, so high-danger shots against right now. Top 5, Sterkin has faced the fourth, again, there's a tie for second place, but the third most High danger shots in the league at 21. He stopped 18 of them. Now, the Islanders, five, this is 5-5, five five, have allowed 13 high danger shots. So that's a – again, I think the Rangers have played three games. The Islanders have played two. So that's, that's – Rangers a, have played four now. So 
Like the numbers this early on are. Oh, sorry, four, but Shesterkin has only played in three games. Correct. Yes. Yeah, so They're And like but, I said, they have given up chances, but the chances they've given up have all been once they have a significant lead. That's true. Yeah, I was just looking at it, I thought it was interesting that they've given up, you know, that much more than I think the Islanders have again. It's a game difference. We'll see what happens tonight. But we, you got we you got to limit the high danger stuff. They do, and we know that that's been the Rangers' kryptonite was how many chances they gave up, and just Sturkin's there to bail them out. So yeah, I think that he's had a little bit of a slowish start to the year, a slowish start for Igor Shosturkin, still a pretty good goaltender. But yeah, still uh, a nine thirty. What does he have right now? Let's see. I think he's at a two six eight nine twenty or something like that. But yeah, it's too early to really look at numbers like that. But the numbers that I do look at are fourteen Rangers have a point already in the season. Yeah. Uh, they have six Rangers who have at least three points in the first four games. Uh, you have four who are at over a point per game. Uh, so those four are Vincent Trocek, Adam Fox, Panarin, and Zibanejad. So when you when you look at how much offense they have, obviously you have the big guys who are generating the majority of it, but it's not like it's just been limited to one line. We got everybody has a point. Um, so it, it's really been a complete effort where – when they are playing the way that they want to play, the other team doesn't even sniff the puck. I mean, Tampa Bay didn't touch that puck for the majority of that game. The Wild barely touched the puck until the third period. Uh, even Winnipeg at points in that game struggled to even get the puck back from the Rangers. And then against the Ducks, when the Rangers played their hockey, the Ducks were completely outmatched. So it, it's a very early sample size, and it's hard to maintain that over 82 games. But we saw the Rangers last year make the playoffs majority because of Shesterkin. This year, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs, even if Shesterkin has an average season, which I don't expect him to have, which is why they probably will be one of the top five teams in the league again. Yeah, and you talked about how the Rangers have so many guys with points. The Islanders have one, two, three, five, eight players without a point so far. And out of those eight players, six of them are forwards. So, I mean, you need your forwards to score. I mean, that, that's good, and you can't rely on – I mean, Sorokin looks great. I forgot – I got to look at the numbers. They've he allowed – I forgot exactly what it was, but he stopped – God, I'm, I'm so bad at remembering things. Give me one second. I need to find, I need to find it now. But um, now his numbers are – his numbers are off the track. I mean, he allowed, he allowed two goals to Florida, and he allowed one goal to – Anaheim and his high danger, he's allowed one high danger goal in the year. I think he's faced 18 high danger shots. He's allowed, um, and he stopped 17 of them. And that's just, you need that from your goalie, especially for a team like, again, the Rangers are more of an offensive based team. You need your, well, I think I found the stat. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, no, I didn't know why. But no, you need your, your goalie to be your bread and butter, especially on the penalty kill. He's looked great on the penalty kill. So, it's interesting. You just need goaltending is so critical in the regular season, but there's a lot of teams that can rely on just scoring in order to to make it. And for the Islanders, you can't. That can't be the case. So right. you need your goaltending to be pretty much not perfect, but on most nights, you know, every goal that a Sorokin or Varlamov allows could be a backbreaker just because the offense isn't where it needs to be. But at the same time, you're seeing the offense now. If the offense could blow, you did the last couple of games, oh boy. I mean, that's. Yeah, an absolute game changer for them. So we talked about the first four games for the Rangers, right? They have next couple of days off. Then they play the Sharks, who uh, will visit the Islanders before that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But they play the Sharks. They play the Blue Jackets. 
Then they play a back-to-back against Colorado and the Islanders middle of next week. Yeah. To me, that's the that's going to be the true test. I remember Colorado just absolutely dumbing the Rangers both times they played them. Do I think that's going to happen this year? I hope not, but we will yeah. see. Um, that's definitely going to be the biggest litmus test thus far. And then the next night you're at UBS Arena. So that's a tough back-to-back. You'll probably see Shesterkin against the Avalanche, which means Halak will play against the Islanders, uh, his former club. So that has yeah, that'll some, be interesting. Exactly. I bet that's advantage. That's advantage Islanders for sure. Mm-hmm. You know his it is. Game. It is. But when when we look at that schedule, there's not there's no teams that the Rangers should fear playing. But there are teams that are significantly better than than others. And whenever you have a back to back against two teams that are always tough to play against, the Avalanche, defending Stanley Cup champions, and the Islanders could be. Oh, and 82, that would still be a tough game to play for the Rangers no matter what and vice versa, right? I mean, those two teams just wake up to play each other. So next week will be fun. I know that you'll be in Tampa this weekend. All right, visiting. Cam, see you, but I'm going to give you a nice big kiss on the cheek. Oh, that's so cute. Well, you're going to be here visiting me. We're going to be watching the Islanders in Tampa and then also making that drive watching them in summer. Hey, you guys, are, you guys are the real ones to take that trip. <laughs> so we, we're going to have some fun this weekend watching that stuff and – uh, we'll, we'll record again this weekend once we're there. But next week, at the end of the week, we'll have an episode where we get to break down that game. And I think that that'll be a game where we can kind of go over in more detail what each team's strengths are. Because the Islanders, you mentioned their offense looks good so far, but yeah. can they look good against a stronger team? And can the Rangers' offense look good against a team that's very you know solid in their own zone, has Sorokin and uh will they be able on that back-to-back to play well and keep the puck out of their own net? So at the end of next week, we're going to have a fun episode breaking that down. But to me, when I look in the future, because right now it's been fun to watch and they've beaten a couple of good teams, but yeah, that's where the, the real first test is for me. Yeah, so the Islanders, same thing. This is a major test for them. So, you know, next game for them, again, they, they're playing Thursday against the Devils, back-to-back. And that that's – so, you, you know, you play that on – you play – San Jose, you play, you're getting to play the Devils. Those are obviously the must-win games. Those are bad teams. Then you play back-to-back Tampa, Florida. Then you play the Rangers. Then you play Carolina. Then you play Colorado. That is going to show right away where the Islanders stack up. Because, again, they're going to rematch with Florida. Again, they, they came out of the gates flying against the Panthers, but couldn't continue that for a full 60. They get a rematch with that. Can they do that? If they could do that, Islanders, I think if the Islanders play the way they play Saturday, they can legitimately beat anyone. In the league, and I think that's really possible. I'm not just saying that to say that. I truly think that if you're going to get a offense from your defense and the transition game is going to be spot on and you're not going to sacrifice your defensive game, you can truly beat anyone. And when you have Sorokin, that's obviously possible. But, I mean, again, Tampa, uh, Tampa, Florida back-to-back is already a measuring stick. The Rangers, your rival, a very good team. Carolina's always good. Colorado's a dominant team. That's a huge – and there's no such thing as must-win games – at the start of a season. But like I said, you got to take care of the bad teams. What happened with the Islanders last year is they beat the bad teams, but they could not beat the good teams. And the great teams, forget about it. You want to make it in this Metro division. You got to, one, first off, you got to handle your individual, your interdivisional opponents. You put it out of those games, Devils, Devils, Rangers, Carolina. Those are three Metro teams. You have to beat, not that you have to beat all of them. Obviously, it's going to be tough. You got to get points to those teams. Early too, because we know Again, points are points, whether it's now, whether it's in March. But as soon progresses, there's no – you can't hide from the fact no one's 100%. 
the games might mean more withstanding wise. This is the time when you could separate yourself. Last year, the Islanders got off to a miserable start. They buried themselves. Now's the time to make statement wins where you beat those good teams. That Not that it's going to give you leeway towards the end of the year, but you'd rather have, okay, I'm not grinding to get into the postseason. Maybe I'm comfortable in the top roller curve spot and have a couple of points to play with at the end of the year where it's okay. If I lose to one of these really good teams, it's not going to kill me. But if you drop all these games to these tough teams and you beat the bad teams, you're not making it. So well, every year we have a very similar discussion where you go, it's early, yeah. you know, you have some room. And it, it is true where the, the first couple of weeks, you know, the first three to four weeks of a season aren't going to make or break you for the most part. But the statistic every year holds true where the teams by Thanksgiving that are in the playoff spot, 75% of the time make the playoffs. So yeah. there is merit to getting these points early on. And when teams are, are getting off the slow starts, like the Islanders did last year, it's very hard to make up those points later in the year when everyone starts to find their game. So these, these division matchups early on, although they're not a make or break, do have merit down the road and two points is two points. Now is two points at the end of the year, like you said. So it's yeah. not like we're looking at, at games now and saying, you know, it's too early to look at numbers. It's too early to look at standings, but two points are two points. And if you miss out on two points, you might not feel it right now, but that could be the difference down the road between a player. No, definitely that. could. And we'll, we'll see if the Islanders play the Rangers uh, in the postseason this year. We're waiting. And we'll have to wait our whole entire life for oh, it to man. happen. I will be flying home if that happens. Oh yeah, I forgot you're in Tampa. Duh. Yeah, well, maybe they'll, uh, you know, they wouldn't play in Tampa. You would definitely have to come home. So. Oh, they they wouldn't, but I mean that would be. <laughs> I've said it. We've talked about it. I will it's have happen. a severe heart attack if that series takes place. Uh yeah, it'll be um. People might not be allowed to go outside or even talk to their neighbors <laughs> at that point because I remember when we were in high school. I think I probably told the story on here. Like, I remember when the Islanders would play the Rangers, if the Islanders won, Islander fans would all come to school with their jerseys on and just, just shit-talk these Rangers fans. Like, first off, I was like four or five starting high school, and you shit-talking me. I ended up in a lot. But it was worth <laughs> it. was worth it. It was worth it. But, like, when the Rangers would win, you didn't want to go to school. Same thing with, like, Mets or Yankees. Like, even though they don't have as much of a a battle, per se, because they're in different divisions, but, like, you didn't want to – you knew school would be so fucking tough. So – Obviously, we'll, we'll see what happens this year, but stronger starts for the Islanders and Rangers out of the gate, especially the Islanders. So we'll see how the week progresses. I'll see you on Friday. Don't forget to pick me up at the airport. Brandon. I don't really want to be sitting there and be like, hi, come pick me up. I'll send you my tracking number and we'll go from there. But as oh, always, yeah, Brendan, as always, Brendan, uh, great episode. Looking forward to seeing you and partying in Tampa like like the old, old days of uh, Cortland. And we'll, we'll see yeah, how the old goes. days when we used to party in Tampa all the time. Yeah, all right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure, and we'll get this up. This will be uh, posted after the Islanders-San Jose game. And, yeah, we'll talk to you guys later on in the week. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're... 
team ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.